0: Tinakoto, no mai, hi ramai. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host. I'm Marianne, thanks so much for joining me today, tonight Whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours Sit back, relax, let me be your guide As we walk into the Shadowlands together And see what awaits us there everyone i just wanted to take a minute to thank you all for your patience whilst i had an enforced rest healing my injuries but i have to say it's good to be back i just wanted to share a few snippets of some of the upcoming guests in season seven as i promised last episode we'll walk right into the depths of the shadowlands beginning next week with an episode entitled belly of the beast This episode is a two parter because I interviewed all of the surviving members of the family involved. It's one family's experience. a terrifying, traumatic and tragic series of haunting experiences that directly or indirectly led to the death of two of the siblings, one brother and one sister, and led to one brother Sean writing a fictional account of their experiences, but with the main character in this fiction experiencing some of the same things that he actually went through in their beautiful old home. There is not one family member that has not been left touched, traumatised and some with some fear in one way or another. In fact, the surviving sister and one of the nieces were still so traumatised by this that whilst they were willing to share with me what they experienced, they wanted me to convey it on their behalf and not use the audio I recorded of our conversation and of course, I totally respect their wishes in this. In these following three clips, you will hear Clara, the mother, and Sean, her son. Then we will hear from Natalia, the daughter of the deceased sister who went to live in the home with her grandmother as a child following her mother's passing.
1: closet that I could walk into was at the bottom mm-hmm. foot of my bed, and this ball of fire came out of it, and it made a whoosh, 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 and it was a ball of fire, and it just kept going faster and faster, and it came whoosh, mm-hmm. right at me. Well, I ran, I ran out of there screaming.
2: But at that point, I realized that whatever was in this house wanted me to die. Mm-hmm. It wanted to kill me or it wanted me to kill myself. Mm-hmm.
3: One morning, my grandmother was getting up to take me to school. Um, and it was, had to have been wintertime. It was dark when we got up. And so she wakes up and her bed when i wake up her bed would be right in front of my eyes because the room's not that big but it would be right right there she woke up and turned on her nightstand light and got up to go open the bedroom door well she had been by the bedroom door i saw her at my feet and as soon as i opened my eyes there was a face right in my face but it was like upside down it was almost like if someone was coming from the closet Leaning her head over and looking almost nose to nose with me. Whoa. And I just opened my eyes and I froze and I was like, Grandma, what is that? And I didn't say, I didn't say what it was. I didn't say what it looked like. She just said, Close your eyes and it will go away.
0: The rest of these clips are not necessarily in any particular order, simply as I found them on my computer. None of them have been edited yet. Uh, honestly, it's taken me this whole time off simply to edit the first episode net for next week. So th- most of the episodes don't have names apart from the next two because I only recorded them late last week and their names really go with the subject of the conversation for one reason or another. Paul Anthony Wallace was a guest I had in Season 5, talking about his very well-known book, Escaping from Eden, which was likened by George Norrie to this generation's Chariots of the Gods. Since his episode aired, it's consistently, consistently been in my top 10 most listened to episodes. Looking at my stats today, in fact, is currently running at number 3. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have him back talking about his follow-up book from Escaping from Eden last year called The Scars of Eden. Here's Paul.
4: And then another group of people I started hearing from were veterans of war. And in particular, people who had gone with the allies into Afghanistan or into Mm -hmm. Iraq in 2003. And what I was hearing, and I should say, I I probably hear from more veterans of war than I know, because I think those who are still in active service often don't identify themselves that way. Right. But I was hearing from a lot of veterans of war who are uh, no longer in active service, and they have told me that they went into Iraq believing that they were laying their life on the line for all the publicly declared reasons. They believed they were risking their lives to save the Kurds Mm. or to save the world from weapons of mass destruction or to save the Iraqis from Saddam Hussein and effect a regime change. Only when they got there, they found that their particular unit was actually there on an archaeological mission Mm. And what they were being tasked to do was to retrieve archaeological artifacts, sequester them, take them out of Iraq, take them back to the USA. And all of a sudden they're left asking, what am I risking my life for? What are these artifacts? Mm. What's the relevance of them? Why can't I know what they are? Why can't I know where they've gone? But uh, the story is bigger than that. And Mm -hmm. the moment you start listening to ancestral narratives, you realize there's a human layer to this question of who's really governing us. Yes. And then there's a non-human layer to it too. So the Gnostic Gospels talk about archons that manipulate human leaders and then go to the Hebrew text and you've got the powerful ones who are in authority over the human leaders. And it's interesting that many of our ancient stories talk about a time when we were governed by non-humans and then talk about a time when there was a handover to human viceroys, regents, governments. Many of them have this handover moment. It's there in the Bible. King Saul is the first human uh, leader for the people of God. Gilgamesh is the crossover king in the Sumerian stories. And there's just that little question mark of, well, so where did the non-human authorities go? Did they just Mm -hmm. go home, but they're still at the top of the economic tree? Or are they still present, but covert? Now, just before Christmas, Haim Ashed, the Mm -hmm. former chief of space security for Israel, the brigadier general who held that position for 27 years, came out with a statement saying that on the basis of his career, Everything he knows from that work, his understanding is that there is an intergalactic federation uh, involved in Project Earth, in contact at a covert level with covert layers of government, but that's chosen not to self-disclose.
0: Then we travel back to the States with Robert Earl White and the Lower Attaway's Creek incident.
5: April 21st right around 10, 18 p.m. at night. It was rainy. The cloud coverage was about 1,100 foot. So it was very low, you know. And my aunt who lived next door, she woke up to use the bathroom and she looked out her bedroom window and she saw an elongated triangular object, which kind of looked like a helicopter, but it was completely silent, hovering above the tree line. With three blue lights coming from like the three corners of what you would imagine an elongated triangle looking like. All of a sudden, red and orange sparks started shooting out of this thing, followed by a bright flash. And I don't say this in the story, but when I do interviews, I explain it. The white flash was something coming down and hitting whatever this craft was. Right. And when this happened, there was an explosion, but not just any explosion. And there's a lot of weird stuff about this case. When this thing exploded, the that middle part, that white light they saw in the middle, the whole entire craft basically sucked itself into itself, It like imploded, imploded Mm -hmm. on itself. And that access on the outsides of it, like a normal explosion with, you know, bright flash and the access pieces flew all over the place. But the main core of it, it kind of sucked itself into itself and it shot directly towards the ground in an explosion in a, you know, a beam ball of light very hard to explain and after that happened obviously my mother my aunt everyone was really shooken up you know whether not that this was necessarily an alien a ufo first thoughts that went through their mind was someone just died you know some sort of craft It opened up a can of worms for my mother, you know, for personal experiences. It just it changed everything, but it was covered up extremely well. And then they said, "Okay, tomorrow, many different media outlets are going to come here. You know, investigators, the news, newspapers asking you what you saw and what happened. And you will say it was a helicopter or we will take your son away
0: staying in the mountains a wee bit, I talk with another guest born and bred in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, which Mama is the name she chooses to go by. The people who live in the Appalachians have specific traditions and Law yes. and their form of witchcraft is quite specific perhaps perhaps in, instead of thinking it in terms of witchcraft we could say mm, what's the what's another way we could put it traditional ways of thinking feeling omens and stuff like that we we
1: have traditional practices that we that we follow um now i'm not a proponent to say that i am um, an expert in Appalachian magic or folklore or anything of that nature I just know what I've learned and what I've been taught but to us it's not really being taught magic it's more just the way things are
0: exactly yes. you know it's yes. just
1: our normal every day
0: absolutely so Sorry, I, I should I should have said that because it's not it's not a stand aside it's just part and parcel yeah. of your day-to-day life right right
1: It really depends on where your people come from. If you are of Irish Scottish heritage and your family was of Scott Irish and Scottish heritage, there is a good chance that you might've been told, you know, watch where you throw your wash water or don't step in a fairy ring or watch for pools on stumps, that type of thing. But if you weren't, if you had more Germanic, um, Roots or you actually were part of some of the indigenous tribes that lived here because the white the white folk and the indigenous folk did get together quite a bit. So there's a lot of um, mixed breed running around, you know, in the area. But it depends really where you came from as to what your stories are, because Uh in mine, I had a lot I had a little bit, just a little bit of indigenous blood. But most of mine was Irish and Scottish,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yes, I did get told to watch where I threw my washed water and that type of thing. I did, I did get told to watch for the fae, but don't fear the fae. Um, live in harmony with all creatures. So that included the fae.
0: Then, from the mountains to the desert, we go onto a Native American reservation. Navajo Reservation, a delightful couple who discuss some Native American traditions and talk about their personal experiences with a skinwalker, a medicine person who follows very dark paths indeed.
2: Growing up, my mom was raised in our traditional ways. Um... Her family all grew up traditional Navajo. They grew up in the old teachings, the old ways, waking up, doing your prayers, offerings, and stuff of that sort. My dad's side of the family, they grew up Christian due to my grandmother. Um, growing up, my mom uh, changed her life, became a Christian, but uh, she's the only Christian on her side of the family. So, growing up for me, I always had a conflict um, with being Christian and Having my relatives on my family side will always criticize me for, how you say it, um, studying or having faith in the white man's religion is what they would always say. Right. Um, so I grew up knowing a bunch of taboo stuff, the do's the don'ts, what to do, what not to do, and wake up in the morning, what not to do, what not to say, things that I should be wary about. Um, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, no um, whistling at night, also, um, you can't point at the rainbow with your finger.
6: Uh, my grandma, my maternal grandma, she comes from a long line of uh, medicine women. She was actually taught to, uh, what, what, it's what they call hand trembling. It's a form of a, what a medicine woman does. Uh, that's what she was supposed to be taught by my great grandmother. So for skinwalkers, I do know that there's different origin stories based on what part of the reservation you're coming from. For me, my husband, we had a similar um, origin story that we were told when we were growing up, which is that uh, skinwalkers were basically, they're people, they're people that um, a long time ago, the ability to shapeshift into animals was actually... uh, kind of seen as a, a good thing. They were used as messengers uh, in between small bands of Navajo, especially during the times when uh, the U.S. Army was trying to round this up and we had those conflicts with the, the U.S. government at that time. Right. So the people who had this ability to shapeshift into animals were used as messengers or kind of like an early warning system for other bands of Navajos so that um, they could hide or flee whatever they need to do. It wasn't until, um, I don't know quite when that change happened, but just like anything else, humans are very valuable to a lot of things like Mm -hmm. greed, revenge, um, jealousy, uh, things like that. So when those started becoming a thing with the people who practiced, um, uh, skinwalking, I I don't
1: know if that's a verb,
6: but, uh it started becoming more synonymous with like evil intentions or like uh, evil
0: intent. Right. So skim walkers were, um, likened to witches.
2: Um, they weren't like, uh, witches. They were basically medicine, men. They What's were saying? basically taught, they were taught the art of doing the shape shifting. Right. And like my wife said, um, <laughs> we were back in the day, bands of Navajo because we weren't a united a united um tribe uh-huh. we're different bands with different head chiefs and um uh yes we would war upon one another and that sorts but um the area we grew up at our our little area um that's the origin story of how we were taught um a friend of mine who lives in the further southern area New Mexico part of the reservation uh, she was told that skinwalkers basically the same way uh, they were used as messengers. Um, they were also used as a way for gathering warriors in the time of need. If there were a tribe or something coming to make war on us and we were so spread apart that they would send out skinwalkers because they were able to travel faster. And meet different, um, they were able to shape, show, uh, shape shift into multiple animals right. to make um, travel further distances and they would be used to send messages to gather the warriors or to inform the people that such things, bad things were coming to go and hide.
0: So these are some of the episodes I have lined up for you all in Season 7 of our podcast. I'm really excited to bring these to you, starting from this day next week, with our first episode, Belly of the Beast, followed two weeks later by the second part of the experiences. So... Be sure to like and subscribe. I'm on any free podcasting platform. Anchor, Apple, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, etc. That way you won't miss out on any of these episodes as they go to air. If you have Alexa, simply say these four words and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. Open Walking the Shadowlands. Also follow Walking the Shadowlands on TikTok. Walking underscored the underscored Shadowlands. On Instagram at Walking the Shadowlands. Twitter at Shadowlands10. On Facebook at WT Shadowlands. For hints on what episode is coming up next, I'll see you all next week. See you then. Thank you so much for listening. Today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours, I'll see you after this season's break. See you then.
5: Thanks for listening.